Welcome to React Roundup. I'm your host, Jack Harrington. And with me today is the incomparable Paige Niederinghaus. Hey, everybody. And our guest for this hour is Chris Fruin. Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you're React famous? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm famous, but <laughs> I, have a, I have a series of, of blog posts and uh, my Medium, uh, a few articles on my Medium are quite popular. So you may have read or seen one of my articles there. So. And you're a full stack engineer, and you've just been doing some work at a new company doing some cleanup work, and you were blogging about that? Yes. So that was actually, sad to say, I, I actually left that company for, oh. for an opportunity at a, at a startup that I couldn't sad about refuse. That. So, uh, <laughs> they gave you yeah, a good review. This, yeah, I was, I was there for, uh, for a month, and that's, that was my contribution, I guess, was bringing that repo <laughs> up to speed. <laughs> wow. That was a That's fast impressive. Yeah, yeah, in a month. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to even change your health insurance in that amount of time. Yeah, on, on their part, they were very, that's why it was sad to leave. They were very organized. The management was very good. And yeah, it was it was amazing to, to get up to speed and, and be productive in a few short weeks. Yeah. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are gonna help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you wanna be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I wanna give you the resources that are gonna help you do that. We're gonna have career and leadership resources in there, and we're gonna be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So what were you trying to solve in your one month on the job? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I basically inherited this project. It was a large React-based dashboard. So there were a lot of, not to, to break any NDA, but there were there was a lot of charts and and visuals and all sorts of things, and it had been going on for for quite some time. It was it was a major client for this company for for a few years, and they were the kind of company that you, they were happy with us, and then they they kept saying, "Okay, we want this, we want this," and everybody knows how that goes. You you keep building screens and screens, and eventually you have something 300, 400 components. They metastasize uh, into it, yes. <laughs> yeah. And and to be fair, the, the code base itself, the React itself, I I followed very well. They had they had uh sort of these reusable chart types where you pass just the data you need and it displays as as you would expect, more or less. Nice. So that was that was quite nice. But the, the problem was that because I had inherited this project and there were a lot of terms specific to the industry. I had some trouble understanding the code at first, uh, a lot of weird variable names and things like that. And it was doubly hard because it was in, in plain JavaScript. And for a while now, about two or three years now, I've been basically when I do front end stuff in React, it's in TypeScript. And I am a big fan of uh, Visual Studio Code. 
So I get all the IntelliSense and, okay, I know this is a string, this is a number and whatever, or even the nested types and everything. So uh, I said, yeah, and, and since this, this company was so, I guess, so satisfied with us, they said, I said, yeah, they deserve, let's, let's bring this code base up to speed, or at least sort of a, a halfway up to speed as much as I can do. And then that's where I kind of, what's that? In a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why I kind of, I opted for, you know, looking through the, how the JavaScript was written. I said, well, to go through every file and try and figure out the types and inf- infer them from basically, I had the, the back end as well. The API said that will take forever. So just to get TypeScript working uh, with, it was from create react app. Mm-hmm. I just created the, the TS config. And then I thought, yeah, okay, I, I can kind of, as kind of an escape hatch, I can just put TS ignore at the top of every file, right? <laughs> as, a, as a starter, which is, I, I, I know is very hacky, but then when you run your, like the, the TS, TSC no emit, it would say zero errors, right? And then because I, because I wanted to write the newer features in, in TypeScript. So that was, that was kind of the way I, I read a few articles about there are ways to get, kind of like both worlds working together and perhaps perhaps when you're you're only a few components into a create app app that's easy but i said this this code base is so large trying to get the tooling to work might break everything so so i i opted kind of for the the total conversion to typescript despite the those ts ignores so Um, so let me ask you, if you had, you know, three or 400 components in such a large thing, did you actually go file by file and change the .js to .ts or .tsx and like add types and really redo it? Or or was it more of you were building new features also and so you started creating those with .ts and .tsx endings? Right. So yeah, my, my new features I wrote in, in TypeScript because that, that's what I was most used to. But to get exactly to get, I, I forgot to mention that point to get TypeScript to be happy after I created that, that TS config, I did need to change all those files. But of course, with it being so big, I didn't want to do it manually. So I wrote a pair of bash scripts to do it for me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was very, I mean, yeah, that's engineering. It, it's kind of hacky, but uh, <laughs> but it, it it worked in the end. So so basically, what I how it worked was the, the only I guess tricky or or part you have to be careful with is how I determined if it if the file should be a pure TypeScript file or or TS or it was a TypeScript React file with with the JSX or in this case TSX uh, language and with the TSX file extension. So I basically did a regex on the import react that that string and if it was it if the file included that then it became a tsx file otherwise yeah, it was right. it's just a ts and then the, the second script probably i could combine them all into one script but the, the second script then went through each finding all ts and tsx files and put that ts ignore at the at the first line of the file so I gotta say, you've come up with a new, my new favorite podcast name ever, and I'm gonna launch this tomorrow. That's engineering. <laughs> that's 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 what you do. That's yeah, engineering. yeah. So actually, to any listener who's on this, like one of the biggest mistakes I think people make right off the bat with TypeScript is if you've got any JSX in your file, name the thing .tsx because you will get the worst error ever when you don't do that. It it, it means 
nothing. It is like the most incomprehensible error you'll ever get. And it's everything's fine. It's just you don't have X on the end of the file. And once you do that, all your errors will disappear and it'll all make sense again. So I don't know what that is, but it's, it's bitten me in the butt enough times where I'm, I'm just absolutely religious about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and that, it doesn't... It doesn't happen with JSX. Like you can have JS files all over the place. They're components. They have JSX, (laughs) whatever, and they don't need to be named that way. But yeah, I've, I've recently seen that TS and TSX error and uh, it is completely, it's impossible to figure out what's going on. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely had nothing to do with anything. And I'm sure if I looked into the error, it would make sense that that's why the, what the error is. But it, it should be, it should just have this thing at the top that says, you dummy, you put a JSX into, an, into this file. You need to rename this TSX. Yeah, it is. It is such a tricky one, because especially when you're starting out, you're like, oh, I, I want to learn TypeScript, this yeah. new syntax. Of course, the last thing you're thinking about is is a, a single letter in a file extension, <laughs> right? right? You know, it's it, yes. it, it is. I mean, yeah, that is kind of it belongs to TypeScript, right? Because TypeScript is very, hey, do this exactly this way, do this exactly yeah. this way. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a small but but tricky thing, and it's a throw your computer out the window moment when you, when you finally <laughs> you realize that the error is. You're just <laughs> like you've been spending twenty minutes figuring out this thing. You're like in, totally infuriated that it was a single file, and you're like. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. I don't like this anymore. Okay, so can you tell me, like, oh, obviously, I guess the, the the parameters that you wanted and the the hinting and all that that you wanted from TypeScript. What how what was like state management in that system, and how was that done? So that was they had Redux as well, but again, kind of the the older version, right? So you had not your toolkit. not toolkit yet. I I started putting again. Uh, <laughs> or a cool thing of toolkit is you can mix and match, right? They don't care. Yeah, you can yeah. use the older styles and then add your slices in as new. Yeah, so so it was it was Redux. Yeah, and I think kind of part of that goal to to convert everything to TypeScript was I I'd also learned recently about what is that? There's a the generator you can like from your API from Open API you can generate. I think it's, is it Swagger? I think Swagger has a tool oh, for so, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can generate off the Swagger docs and yeah. create an API for Swagger you. Swagger endpoints mm-hmm. are the best. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so so I... Or because GraphQL. <laughs> GraphQL code generator. So I just had to throw that in there. But yeah, that, that works too. Be, because I, I had inherited this giant project with all these weird terms, I, I said that would that would be the easiest way for me. I can, ex- I can see kind of all the endpoints generated with all their types. And it... it things will get easier for me. So that was that was kind of the after the big conversion, that was the next step where I was able to in my new features, write write those endpoints. That's something I would still need to look at that my only issue with those generators is they're very, very verbose, at least what I've seen <laughs> the, the, the files they generate are, are, are very big. And I've even thought about kind of as a side project to kind kind of maybe there's a way to rebuild all you need really is the types right and then you want like your get post methods they can kind of be generic in some sort of way but uh well i've i've used swagger both with node projects and with java projects and the great thing about the java projects is that it's it is simply just like a one liner you drop into the config and because java is strongly typed and compiled it just knows exactly how to use it. And I'm assuming that TypeScript is kind of the same way. But can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I am interested if that might be something 
I'd want to get into in the future. Like how much actual extra do you have to add? Because with the Java JavaScript project, it was very much like I had to define absolutely everything and tell it what to expect and what to what parameters to take in and query params and you know, is this auth or not and things like that. So with TypeScript, is it much simpler, like maybe an annotation or two and you've got it? Yeah. So from what I've seen, it's a, it's a command line tool and I'll, I'll have to double check. I believe it's Swagger. I, I'd have to look at the name of the repository, but the, the very cool thing is, I mean, there is, there is kind of a config step. So you need to define, you know, is your backend, yeah, is it written in Java? Is it C sharp or where's it coming from? Um, and then your target. So in my, my case, of course, it was, it was TypeScript, but they have other ones too. You can generate it for, for Angular or, or I don't know. So, but yeah, that, that, so the, the huge advantage is, yeah, you, you get your full in code and, you know, you even get these service classes, even you import like, I don't know, car service, right? And then you can do like <laughs> car service.create and you just, mm-hmm. even the, the type is there, uh, in TypeScript. So that's the huge advantage. But then, of course, the disadvantage is this, this large file that's generated. And, and perhaps with, perhaps that's moot, depending on if you're doing tree shaking or, or how the, how that code is extracted when, when you go to production. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's how it's just a command line. I mean, typically I make, uh, an NPM script, right? And you say like, uh, generate client or whatever, some sort yeah. of client. But, but then, yeah, I mean, there's always this back to that. That's engineering, and then you have to you have to remember <laughs> you have to remember every time you change your backend, or if your backend changes, you have to regenerate that client, mm-hmm. right? But that's you would have to do something like that anyway, even without a, a generated uh, code generator. So I'm guessing yeah. in a month it probably didn't change. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not. Not within a month. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I'm guessing that that. It sounds like that graphic or that code generator is modular enough. You, you can probably write your own thing, but I to you know, make a smaller output. But you're right, like the the tree trimming and that should get rid of it. Tree pruning, and then also uh, a lot of people complain about like TypeScript code bloat, as if like the code that TypeScript generates is bloated, but it's not. If you look at the back end, like it's, it's basically the equivalent of, of Babel, right? All the types just kind of disappear, and if you had if you're, it really depends on the target. If you're targeting like ES5, you're going to get a lot of extra code to like do all the, you know, all the destructuring and whatever, that kind of thing. But yeah, so yeah, that sounds like a great use of that generator there. We should drop, drop that down into the show notes so that maybe you can see that. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And actually where I'm, where I'm working currently. So for some reason, the, the, the previous company that, that did some of the work for the startup. They chose to use Angular, but it's mm. it's the same tool. It's that this this generator that generates. They have a, a .NET backend, so yeah, it's it's quite interesting because I'd always thought about a tool like that, but yeah, it already existed, and and now a lot of that stuff is you, you only find out about it until you, you need something like it or you yeah, you stumble upon it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I know I've, I've seen it, it twice. I mean, I've, I've used it for. <laughs> As I say, for GraphQL, and then there's a lot less configuration because it doesn't really matter what the back end is, whether it's Java or, or C Sharp, it all works the same way. So it's just nice that way. But yeah, no, that's really cool. So I'm curious how you found the transition between working with TypeScript and React to going to an Angular project, which I assume is also written in TypeScript since the, they've 
kind of went that way after Angular 2. Ha- I haven't used Angular since Angular JS, the original version. So what did you think kind of transitioning into the much more structured and I guess already derived path or project size and and status of of an Angular project versus React where you kind of just do what you feel like and structure it however you want? <laughs> Yeah, I might be burned off the podcast for this, but no. So I, I, there are definite things I like about Angular. I, I have to say, actually, and, and this is, it's the first time using it is, is working in, in my new job here at the startup is, is working with Angular. I, I don't know. It's, it's very verbose, at least, you know, all the, all the stuff you have to do, but in a way that's, that's kind of, you see the same patterns over and over again, right? Where, the yeah the two edged sword with react is yes you you can be kind of pick how you want to design everything however you want mm-hmm. but then that is that does mean when you when you go to a different project or a different company or yeah any different place using react you can expect anything any kind of <laughs> always expect the unexpected exactly yes. so yeah i mean it was definitely a, a benefit to me that that angular uses typescript so I was at least that half I was I was used to since I've been writing React in, in TypeScript. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have too many opinions. It's it's kind of weird right now anyway, because that's the Angular is our is our CMS, which isn't, you know, it's it's mostly for admins and us us to use. Uh we don't have to worry too much about performance or, or things like that, which is in a way lucky for me because I'm quite new to it. But we still do our the the mobile app and the website are are React, which which uh, I'm much faster and much more used to. So, Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out. And, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Oh, nice. So you're doing kind of a combination between the two, de- just depending on what what feature you're working on. It could either be in Angular or it could be React. Yeah, and and I <laughs> I don't want anyone to look at my Angular code. I have no idea if I'm <laughs> if I'm following right? any any patterns. But there's there's a lot of uh, code to to borrow and look at and, and reuse. So mm-hmm. from there, and Angular is super opinionated, right? It's got its services, it's got its DI. It uses a lot of, and that's one thing I think people coming from React world into Angular world might be a little bit unfamiliar with, at least in TypeScript, would be all of the, uh, the decorators that are put like everywhere mm-hmm. in, in Angular. And if you haven't done like Nest.js or one of those, that also makes use of decorators very extensively. Those are kind of like, oh, okay, that's a new thing that I haven't seen before. Because I don't, React, other than like MobX, I, I haven't seen much in terms of decorators. I don't know. The one, the funny thing is, I, I think what I should have mentioned is if, if I had learned or maybe jumped to Angular earlier, maybe only after a few months of knowing React, I probably would have, 
you know, when I was more of a junior dev, I would have gotten very angry, right? Like, oh, you have to do this and this and this. And they, they have all these rules, right? But now that, you know, building so many React apps, you say, oh, okay, yes, they have their specific way of doing it, but this is this is the way to do it in, in Angular. So yeah. yeah, it's always, I mean, as always, it's the, there's advantages and, and disadvantages. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I think at the end of the day, just because I, you know, I, I just love software at its heart and in programming and in general, I do like React more, right? Because they just say here, like, here's your canvas, go, <laughs> go build your projects however you want, right? So, yeah. So in addition to writing blog posts and having your own website where you have lots of great content, it looks like you also have a YouTube channel. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what kind of videos we could expect to see there? Yeah, so uh, I started kind of minor <laughs> YouTubing last year during during the pandemic. So mostly what it is, is they're actually previews for, for courses that I sell and quite generous, at least in, in my opinion, up to 50% or more of the, the full course. So, so lessons there. And then I also do, I do these things called Let's Codes where it's just, I, I don't have anything scripted or anything prepared. I'm just maybe, you know, fooling around. I, I made a, a, a soundboard or we're starting to build a soundboard. And yeah, they're, they're usually longer format, like an hour or so. So yeah, that's, that's what I have. Haven't, haven't had a published a video very recently because I've been busy with, with the startup work. But yeah, that's, that's kind of what people can expect there. Very that's cool. cool. What kind of courses yeah. do you have? So I have, I have one on uh, Bitbucket pipelines. So basically how you can, you can automate builds and, and deploys. And I also have one on generic search. So in React TypeScript, uh, generic search, sort and filtering. So I, what, one thing, what I like to do, or at least my plan is as I, I have a few ideas for further courses. One thing I like to focus on is kind of stuff that I've encountered in, in like in enterprise applications or real world scenarios, right? Because too often, especially when you, when you really get into the weeds somewhere and, and you get kind of stuck, you go to look for an example and you know, it's this, it's the, the, the infamous React to do app, for example, or, or you see. <laughs> You know, you, <laughs> you see the same examples over and over again. So, so I really try and, and design courses around stuff that, that I actually use or, or have used or have seen uh, before in, in production. And of course, you can never, you can never provide every example from every application everywhere, but gives a bit of flavor of, of here's the drawbacks and advantages of this method and, and I've actually, this is, these are the patterns I use or have used. So, yeah, I definitely get that with my stuff. I tend to segregate, particularly in like the TypeScript world, I tend to segregate in like basic, intermediate, and advanced type stuff. Like, for example, with generics, most of the generic stuff that I do is, unless it's very, very simple, like it's the promise generic or it's, you know, return type or something like that. Like, it's kind of in the advanced section because, in the, at least in the TypeScript world, like, Generally speaking, you're not going to be using generics all that much. Actually, React, react.function component is one that people use all the time, but you know, it's very valuable. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, I actually listened to the one of the, the previous episodes, the do's and don'ts, and I thought, oh, I have a course about generics. I uh, shouldn't, shouldn't use that. <laughs> but but I, I, will, I will push push back a bit. And, and I agree. I mean, if you're, 
<laughs> in the front end, yeah, overdoing it on generics is is probably something's gone wrong there. But I, I do use it in a in an app, for example, where you have where you have uh, a table, right? And and the API had a new new type coming in, so that means like a new column, right? And if you want the sort mm-hmm. and filter, all you have to do is add it. If you design everything g- generically, you just have to add it to, for example, like a JSON config. And you say like hmm. this column, and then which you know what, how you you know how you configure the the sort the sort direction and and things like that. So there are there are advantages, but yeah, it's it's definitely important to know when when and where to use them. Yeah, if you're building like a a library to do of components, particularly around like stuff that has lists in it, like a list component or table component, as you said, yeah, there's a lot of value in there in terms of generics where you're going to get good hinting. You know, when it comes to, yeah, like here's the primary sort key. And the reason that you can know that is because you're, you're using a generic when it comes to the da- incoming data type and making sure that whatever that sort key is actually a key on the objects in that table. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's a good thing to know. I, I think there, but there's this advanced side that like people can just go super geeky with and like you just get totally lost. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, you just, yeah, you know, keep it, keep it sane. <laughs> Because they'll be able to be able to like actually come in after you and be able to maintain that if you go kind of full crazy with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that I'm actually kind of interested in in hearing more about, Chris. So you you know you came into the company and helped them transform the code base from straight JavaScript and React into TypeScript. Were there other developers who were working with you? So you got to kind of help them get up to speed with TypeScript, or was it more of you know, just getting a little bit of buy-in from the product managers and helping them understand how this would introduce less bugs into the code and make develop future development easier. How did you go about that? Yeah, so that that would have been the plan had I had I stayed longer. Um, and I was I was quite looking forward to it because yeah, because TypeScript is kind of still slowly up and up and coming. But yeah, I, it was mostly just this conversion, and and I left I left a lot of stuff in the readme about about what I did and and going forward. Uh, so the next person who who encounters this repository <laughs> with a bunch of weird uh, alliterations and terms and stuff can 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 hopefully figure it out quicker. But yeah, unfortunately, I, I just wasn't there long enough to kind of share that. So what advice would you have for somebody coming into TypeScript? Maybe they're maybe they're on an existing application and they want to upgrade it but don't really know where to start. Like are there resources that you would recommend or just create a TS config and start watching what breaks and and trying to <laughs> fix it as the errors come up? What's your advice there? Yeah, so that could be a way that was my way, just creating the TS config and, and, and going at it. I guess the, the first thing would be, I, I have some recent experience actually with this exactly. One hint is if, if you were using prop types, uh, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a quick way or a quick hint to maybe look at your prop types. And that's basically a one to one conversion to an interface, right? So. I think we mentioned this maybe before the show started, but but if you if you for me if you're doing TypeScript with React, if you type your props with an interface, you've already got maybe ninety percent of the big wins from from using TypeScript, right? Because you you know ah this name is a string, 
titles a string. And I, I know these sound like simple examples, but when you're passing an array of some object type, then you know this array is this object type. And then even further, as you go down into your, your component tree, okay, maybe, maybe this lower component takes only an element, a single element of that object array. Uh, and you know, you know everything. And, and as soon as you, yeah, maybe at the very top of your app change that type, you're going to see it all the way down through in the IntelliSense. Oh, hey, name is not name anymore. It's first name. So something mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, I would, so the convert the, the prop types into, into these, these prop interfaces. Then mm-hmm. you're done. No, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, actually, I would add on to that. I would, I might actually start from like the API layer. Because every every app basically has you know some API calls you're going to make right get the data and then you're going to have your React components that are going to render that data and if you start with the API side of the house and you just kind of lay down those foundational types like here's the type for a product and here's the type for a car or whatever we're doing right the the actual domain types and then as you go through the React stuff right then you're just saying oh this prop is a car you know and you've you've got those things already. And so those can line up with the API and then you're getting, you know, that nice all the way through typing. So mm-hmm. that, as you say, right, if you change tire type on car, right, you know, um, that it's going to make sure, oh, okay, so now these three components need to be updated because they're looking at the old thing, you know, tire, whatever it was. And now there's tire type and they need to be updated, which is great. I mean, that's really the huge win, right? So, yes, the IntelliSense is awesome, you know, in the hinting. But it's really when you're working on a project and you don't know, and then the API is changing underneath you, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, that's, you can just change the types. And now you can see, okay, oops, that was, I forgot that we use it over there. Turns out we do. I'm just going to need to go change that. And there you go. <laughs> and one thing that I would recommend, because we just added it to one of our projects at work is uh, ESLint. We start, mm. we added an ESLint with, I think it was probably the Airbnb TypeScript config. And that ESLint just in general helped me improve my coding, just learning some of the things that they generally try and discourage. So having the TypeScript version now that is catching all sorts of, you know, TypeScript anti-patterns and code smells and things like that has been really cool. And I'm, I'm looking forward to letting it kind of help teach me more about good TypeScript practices. So, you know, that was easy because there's so many good configurations that are already available and you just plug them in and, and it goes to work. So that's that's pretty good as well. Yeah, yeah the I, Airbnb one is excellent. If I, if, I, if I could add one more thing, typically what I do in, in a TypeScript project is I'll just make a, a little NPM script. I just call it type check maybe. And it's just the TSC and then dash dash no emit. And so if you've just uh, converted your project, uh, it might be a bit scary. You may or may not see thousands of errors <laughs> or, or warnings <laughs> and the yeah the thing i guess the thing to remember is that doesn't mean the code is is broken right so when i ran that for this large project there were thousands of, of errors right but really what that means is it's just that in, in the javascript version you, you didn't know you don't know what types are are interacting there or, or what's going on there and then it's a matter of uh you may you, you know you may want to echo it out to a to a file and go through <laughs> maybe component by component and, and see what what's going on but that's that's a nice uh a nice way to see and i even add it to my kind of the build pipeline that's kind of before even like unit tests 
you can run like the, the type check and make sure you have you have no errors. So yeah, if you put on strict and you don't allow any, it's not going to be happy <laughs> not for a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's any until it ain't yeah. any anymore. <laughs> yeah, and definitely get a, a handle on what the difference between any and unknown is because that's that's really critical. Yeah, that's that's something even I still struggle with, or perhaps I don't understand very well. Is those like the the error type. And I think there is an open, there may be even an open issue with like the, even the, the ECMAScript standard, like what is, we need a, or TypeScript needs a type for that error. But for now it's, it's mm. this unknown type. Yeah. It's still evolving. We're, we're getting there, but JavaScript's had a lot longer to <laughs> kind of come together and build, break it at build time and runtime. So <laughs> mm-hmm. TypeScript is doing quite well, I would say, for how short a time it's been in existence. <laughs> You know, there's definitely a need there, you know, as the code base gets larger to actually mm-hmm. have some sanity around your typing. <laughs> so what are you, some of your favorite plugins to use with TypeScript? I know you said that VS Code is your editor of choice, which it is mine as well. But are there some like super helpful one, super helpful extensions that you like to include that you think are really good, good for TypeScript? Not, not really. I mean, you already <laughs> mentioned ESLint. I, I think it's the whole it's the whole the Microsoft marriage there. So just with the IntelliSense already, you you get most of the benefit. So yeah, that, that's usually it. Just TypeScript alone for me is, is enough. Sometimes I'll use JSON to TS if I'm working on a, on a, a API that's not Swagger based. You know, because I'm I'm just getting back a JSON payload and I have it. I you know I just copied a browser or something, and then I can use JSON to TS, and that'll actually just convert it to the, whatever in the clipboard it types. Saves you some, some typing. That's a, that's a oh, look that's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll okay, the there you go. Notes. He's busy. <laughs> cool. My pleasure. Anything else you'd recommend, Jack? <laughs> trying to think if there's anything TypeScript specific. I have used in a, in a video recently this thing called Quaka, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Great, funny name for something that's actually pretty cool. It's actually like a, a it's a free, although there is a premium version, kind of TypeScript or, or JavaScript workbook so as you type you're is automatically evaluating as you go so if you've got something where oh i want to just you know see how this filter works or something along that line yeah you can just kind of type it into quanka and it will evaluate it right there and you can get the output and say oh okay that's that's got you know reduce is a good when you're like how does this reduce work again i don't know you (laughs) pull that out into quanka and oh i see how that works nice i have heard of quanka and i think that i tried it out once but i really didn't see the benefit of it at that point in time and it's been a couple years since i tested it out but i would definitely look at it again cool hey folks if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or If you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Well, I think that's actually a great segue into picks. I'll get some picks for this week. So Paige, you want to kick us off with a pick? Sure. I will do two picks this week. One Mm -hmm. that is a purely entertainment pick. And that is uh, a show that's on Hulu called The Great, which is about Catherine the Great, or it's loosely based on her initial coming to Russia and marrying Peter and kind of establishing herself as a a monarch there. And it was originally only supposed to be one season, but it was so incredibly popular that they're bringing it back for a second season. And I think that that's starting within the next week or so. So been rewatching the first season and really enjoying it just as much the second time around. So that'll be my first pick. 
And then my second pick is actually going to be uh, a React NPM library that I came across recently, and it's called React Leaflet. And it is great if you want to bring maps into any of your applications, even with something like Next.js, which has server-side rendering or regular Create React app, where you might want to render paths or markers or pop-ups or things like that. It, it takes in all the best pieces of things like the GeoJSON maps and Mapbox and just makes it React-friendly. And they have a lot of really good tutorials and examples of code and how to do different things. So if you have any use for maps, which I think are just really cool and great visualizations in applications, I would definitely encourage that if you're trying to do it with a React project. And I'll include links for both of those in the show notes. That's awesome. Leaflet. Mm-hmm. It's an odd name. It is. Mapping. It is, but it's it's fairly popular, not just for mm-hmm. React, but for all sorts of canvas-based map stuff. Um, and they have lots of different, you know, designs and overlays that you can do. So if you like like a dark design, they got those and you can make your own and then just kind of import them on top. And it's, it's really, um, pretty robust for what it offers. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You're so right about data visualizations on maps. Actually, I've gotten back into running again and it was really cool. The Apple watch kind of integration where it would show me my, my heart rate at various points in my run. And it was Mm -hmm. so cool to see it go from like yellow to red to me and back. I I, I don't know if that's good or not. Maybe it's not good (laughs) to be in red. But, you know, it was good to see. It's like, oh, yeah, I was really, I was really helping it there. Or I was, you know, yeah. So that was nice to, nice part of it. So my pick for this week is Arcane on Netflix. It's uh, based on, I think, League of Legends. But I I have no idea, honestly, what's going on with this show because I'm not a League of Legends player. But um, it's beautiful. And sometimes just having, you know, like, like something just lovely to watch sometimes is just kind of cool. So just enjoying the heck out of Arcane. And I think it's weirdly like Netflix style coming out like three groups of three. But yeah, it's fun. It's really good. Very cool. All right. So Chris, what's your pick? So I, I also have two. They're, they're more technical cool. ones. The first is uh, Redux Toolkit, which we, we briefly mentioned. But it's, yeah, it basically for what Redux was famous for, all this boilerplate, it eliminates almost all of that and it makes it typescript friendly too yeah it, it gets the typing right yeah i would say yeah it's it's a little bit weird at, at the beginning um just because it is looking it looks so different from from what you may be used to in traditional redux uh, but it's it's awesome i like it and the and bonus points for their their query which helps you write mm. the, uh, the rtk query so yeah, I, rtk query is excellent i've just started with that if you wanted to talk about something hard to, to switch over to from a from a traditional API, that would be something much more difficult. But luckily, I'm, I'm I have a project I'm starting with scratch from, and it's yeah, it's it's very cool. It does the loading, error states, everything, and it's all it's all reactive, straight out of the box. Yeah, it, you can get the always get the happy path of API access. It's easy. It's getting all the, like the loading, error, all of the extra kind of like pending states right, and RTK query. It gets that right. React Query gets that right. So it's always good to use a wrapper for that. Uh, yeah. And the, What's your second pick? The second one is this cool tool called uh, SVG OMG. And it's, uh, I, I'll have to send the link. It's, uh, the guy is Jake Archibald. It's, um, he's ported some tool, but it's basically a GUI that it optimizes SVGs for you. And there's some 20 odd options you can do. If you want to deactivate Viewbox, if you want to, you can have like a simplification slider. 
so I, you know, I work a lot with, with SVG logos, for example, but you know, when, when they come straight from the illustrator, sometimes they're massive, mm-hmm. right? So, so you need to clean them up a bit sometimes. And that's a, that's a, such a great tool. It's one I really love. So nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for Chris being on the show and we look forward to seeing you all next week. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.